Hello, and welcome to the LVP Architects podcast. So in this podcast, we're still covering study subjects and we're on to CDM. So CDM, the Construction, Design and Management Regulations. Simply put, CDM aims to improve health and safety in the industry. So it, the idea is there's a role that someone helps to sensibly plan the work and the risks involved and to try and manage them from start to finish. And that role, um, it, it can be broken down into pre-construction and construction stage. So the, the important thing is, is that you're highlighting risks and trying to either omit them or design them out or at the very least manage them. So the risks can vary. They, they could be from site. So um, maybe asbestos, you know, the building that you're refurbishing might be of a certain period in time that the likelihood of asbestos is quite high. So that is a risk that needs to be managed. So the management of that would be you need to have a survey done. Then after that, if there isn't, then that risk has been eliminated because there was a procedure in place. If there is asbestos, then that is a new risk. And how do you deal with that? And, and you provide a management of that system, whether it can be removed or, or whether perhaps it's a historic building and to remove it would be would would do great damage to the fabric of the building and hence its preservation. So maybe it's a case that you will need to uh, preserve the historic element, but it's encased, you know, it's boarded out, it's um, protected in some way and then appropriate signage. So that's a way of managing that risk. So in a very basic nutshell, that's the CDM regulations. And it's, it's all tied in with the HSE, the Health and Safety Executive. You can go online and read more about their role and how um, this regulation is updated and managed. So what this implies is for every project, there needs to be some form of health and safety management. And that varies and that role falls on or is appointed to someone based on what type of project this is. So whether it's a domestic client or a commercial client and the CDM is very specific on what is a domestic client. Um, so a domestic scale is obviously a house extension um, or refurbishment within a house for a family. But if that ex if that extension was for someone who lives in the house but for a business and it's quite a large extension, then that could push it in to the commercial side. They're trying to define it in, in simple, you know, homeowner, not homeowner, but there's a sort of a threshold of when what they call notification occurs. A project is notifiable to HSE. So the, the threshold of notifiable projects are to do with, is there one contractor? or is there subcontractors or are there multiple contractors and then number of workers on site and for how long that project, that construction phase of that project is going to last. In sort of cut off point um, of what I recall is they have personal person days, you know, so how many people for how long. Um, and again, if it's uh, an extension to a house and you only have 
three workers for one contractor so like the bricklayer will come on site the site manager will, will be there and and maybe the trainee for example so that's the three on site and that project duration is perhaps just two months so so 60 days so that um, wouldn't really be notifiable because that kind of works out as 180 person days and that uh, that doesn't pass the threshold for it to be notifiable but if it was a large project, brand new project for a business or university building or whatever it is, um, inevitably there's going to be more than one contractor. You know, there's going to be the main contractor and then their subcontractors. So they will have a lot of people on site and that will be notifiable. So quick summary point. We've, we've established that there's HSE and they do the CDM regulations and that what that incurs is any construction project needs someone to manage risks, simple as. Now, it depends on the size and the type, whether it's domestic or commercial. Um, if it's notifiable, then it's usually because it's a larger scale and the number of people. So there's a risk to, there's a health risk, not just to those on site, but the public as well. So who does this fall on? So this, if it's a domestic scale, then it falls on the designer if there is a designer so if you've gone to an architect then obviously it would naturally fall on you as you're the you're responsible for the health and safety of pre-construction and usually that term is principal designer if you're um if it's a large project you still need a principal designer so if it's a, a commercial project a principal designer still needs to be appointed now the difference in those two scenarios is that if it's a commercial a principal designer must be appointed in writing so there's there's a, an appointment it's not just unless I was going to say it's not your uh, it's not part of your services as an architect unless you specifically put it in the original appointment otherwise it's a separate appointment because it's a separate role the reason for that is if there is no written appointment then that principal designer role falls on the client they have to manage their health and safety so obviously the client wouldn't want that kind of responsibility so they will appoint a principal designer to do that now the difference of a domestic and a commercial is that in a domestic the understanding is that most clients won't know that they won't have been informed that there is a need for this role so there is no need for a written appointment the principal designer if there's an architect um, it would fall to them automatically if if a, a client just goes straight to a, a contractor to build their extension because they want a bog standard one they know the builder whatever whatever the reason if they go to a contractor and bypass an architect or a designer or any sort then the contractor takes that responsibility and that role. So whoever is appointed in this role in pre-construction phase is then responsible for managing the risks. You know, so these risks uh, we briefly touched on, you know, if it's an internal building type risk or it could be site-based, you know, um, maybe they want to do an extension and there are unknown services in the ground. That is a risk that needs to be managed. So you, you highlight that risk in sort of uh, the usual ways a table format you grade it from green yellow and red um, 
of whether it's a, a low risk, a medium risk, or a high risk, and what what the options are. You know, what how are you going to manage this risk? Can it not be eliminated? Is it something that is highlighted that will be resolved later in the construction phase? Because that's when you'll start doing some digging and you'll be able to discover the hidden services. Other items that might be included in, in risks might be the future risks. So if you've done a roof light to an extension, you might highlight the risk of, well, you've got to be careful when you clean it because it's a fragile, fragile element of a roof. Or you could manage that risk by saying, look, if you buy this certain type of roof light, you can walk on it. So this title is then transferred um, at the point of pre-construction to construction. So it's if, for example, it's a domestic scale and it's a small extension and the architect has gone up to planning and now the client just wants to go with the contractor to build the rest, then the principal designer role transfers to the contractor to then becomes a principal contractor and is responsible for the managing and the health and safety of that site, the builders on it, uh, how it's constructed, and then afterwards as well um, for the users and while it's being constructed with the public safety as well. If the architect is is kept on board, then that architect can be appointed uh, again as a uh, principal designer and their role is to manage these things. The contract in, in larger scale projects, you will end up with a client side that will have a principal designer role and you will have the contractor who if it's a large enough project and large enough scale will have their own principal contractor who will do the same roles but they'll do the same roles and combine together from both sides to contribute to the health and safety file which is as it says it's a file so it's it's got records within it of anything discovered that is a risk that was managed or how to manage it in the future. Anything that is a risk that was as a consequence of this building. So um, previously touched on roof lights. Um, so that's an example of maintenance risk. Um, or if you're building and you discover something uh, around the site, that's a risk that you need to to highlight for future because there may be um, maybe extensions to that that development so there's a, a, a known risk for the future so that's kind of really at its core the cdm and what it's about it's all about health and safety of people so it's people pre-construction people during construction and people after construction so it's about highlighting anything and even if you can't resolve or do away with a risk then at least in place somewhere in a health and safety file there is a record of what that risk is and how it is to be managed. So there's always a future awareness. And I think that's it for this podcast. Hopefully you're a little bit more aware of CDM regulations and roles and, and things that may apply to you in pre-construction and construction phase. So look out for the next podcast where we'll talk about procurement routes. So until then... Uh, take care.